welcome to episode 138 of Board Game Blitz, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to actually finish the joke. Pete and Repeat are in a boat. Pete fell out. Who was left? Repeat. Pete and Repeat are in a boat. <clears throat> board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about replayability in games. First, we discussed a couple games we played recently, like Flapjack Flipout, Project Nos, and Ten. Then, we talk about what makes a game replayable. And now, here are your hosts, Andy and Crystal. A couple quick announcements before we hop into the main episode. First off, I wanted to thank all of you who joined in our Extra Life charity fundraiser stream this past weekend. We raised over $1,000 for Extra Life and Children's Miracle Network, and that is because of all of you. So thank you so very much for those of you who stopped by the stream, who hung out, who played games. It was five hours of pure delight, and I literally laughed so hard that I cried, and I'm not even kidding. Like, I was, like, tears streaming down my face. That is how hard I was laughing at some of the mayhem that happened. So thank Thank you, everyone who showed up. Yay. The last announcement is on September 6th, which is Labor Day here in the States. I am going to be playing a one-shot RPG called Alice is Missing on our Twitch channel with a bunch of friends. And I am really looking forward to it because this RPG is unique in that instead of spoken words, the entire RPG is played through text messages. So it's going to be a weird stream because I'm going to be showing like what is on people's screens, like what they are messaging each other. And it's going to be different than a lot of other RPGs, but I'm really excited about it. That's going to be happening on Monday, September 6th at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. So stay tuned um, and watch our social media channels for more information about that coming up in the near future. Recently, I got a couple of review copies from Mind the Gap Studios. Um, which is a newer publisher. The review copies I got are Flapjack, Flipout, and Project NOS. These are both designed by Peter Newland and published by Mind the Gap Studios. So Project NOS is actually a free print-and-play game. Actually, I think they have both available as free print-and-play games. But Project NOS, I had played, a, I had done a free print-and-play on one of my streams and played it solo. But it is a one-to-four-player racing game that takes like 15 minutes to play um and and i had played a solo game which is just racing against a timer you want to get like under 15 seconds to be the best but that's really hard so i I had wanted to play multiplayer but now that i have like it's it's kind of like a pre-production copy i think because i don't think it's officially published yet i'm not sure but now that i have one that actually has like better art and stuff it was easier to get people to play it with me Um, (laughs) It, it's a real-time drag race game. So you're you're rolling dice. You have a track of numbers. So it, like it's six cards, and each card is a different number. And you basically have to go through them in order. And so you're rolling two dice each. It's real-time, so you're just rolling two dice, and you keep re-rolling until you get a number and then that, that you need to get. And then you like roll another two dice and get to the next number. And you're trying to do that as fast as you can. But like you can do one die under the number that you need to get and take a red line cube if you take two of those and need to take another one then you explode you can't take three of them because that's like messing your car up i guess and if you go over you can also go over the number you get so like if you need to roll a three you can roll a six or something and take one red line and that counts so you can like mess up your car in order to win the race but that the the red line damage stays each each round and you have three races total also you get to modify your card each 
or modify your car <laughs> card <laughs> your car is a card but <laughs> um, <laughs> your car card but, but yeah like e- each race you re you reset so like you get to pick modifications that are special colored dice and you draft these modifications that can do things like if you're rolling the yellow die if it's a one two or three it can count as a four or something and if it's a four five or six it counts as a five so you like you might want to get that modification if you see that the track that you're doing has a lot of fours and fives and there's different modifications there's one that like lets you store a die there's one that like lets you roll three dice there's different things so so you're like drafting those at the beginning of each race and then the race lasts like 20 seconds or something i don't know (laughs) maybe longer depends but yeah so so it's a really quick game and and kind of it's it's like it's a race in a real time game so that like feels like a race <laughs> it's kind of thematic and i played it both so i played the solo game which was just racing against a timer which when i played that it was like okay but i wanted to play against other people because i felt like that would be more like a race and it was but with the four player game the way the scoring works is kind of weird you get like the the person who wins the race gets to pick one of the cards of the track and that's their score and then the person who gets second picks another card and then like so on. So everyone gets points. But then if, if the track was like one, two, two, six, two, one or something, then, then just the first player gets six and then everyone else gets two. And then it's like, so it doesn't really make sense um, getting second versus fourth. Um, and it really depends on what the cards came out. Cause like in our third track, in our third race, it was six, five, 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 four so like it didn't really matter who got first or second it was just <laughs> yeah so we didn't like that scoring way uh, in the two-player game it's just best two out of three races which made more sense so i like the two-player scoring better but yeah that's project nos <laughs> i think four-player like scoring would be better if it were like points versus like getting the the card points which added something weird but yeah that's project nos and then flapjack flip out is a Pancake flipping game. <laughs> you might have seen some pictures of this, uh, people playing on TikTok or something, but it's it's basically one that if you walk by, you'll be interested in it because <laughs> there's these wooden paddles and these circular cardboard discs that are pancakes. And you're basically trying to, um, it's a dexterity game plus memory and like set collection. You're trying to fill orders and be the fastest to fill an order. And all the pancakes are face down. You have to flip a pancake to face up to see what it is. And then you put it face down in your area and you have to remember what it was. And when Amby says flip a pancake, she doesn't mean take your hand and pick up the pancake and flip it over. (laughs) You you literally flip it with the, you have a cardboard or not a wooden flat. (laughs) It looks like a racket, but it's like a a spatula basically, right? It's like a spatula. So you're flipping it like in the air and and then you get to put it in your in your area. And when you think you have filled the order, then you then you ring a bell and then you like put out your pancakes. But you have to do that face down. So like if you're wrong, you don't get the order. But if you're right, then you get it. So it's kind of hectic and memory and stuff. Um, I only played it once. It was okay. But I think it's more exciting. Just like the components of it is is more exciting to me than the actual game of it. It was still kind of fun, but like not a game that I would play a lot. Uh, but my kids really like playing with the with the components. So they're too young to actually play games by the rules yet because they're not two yet. But but like they they saw me flipping one of the pancakes with, with the wooden spatula thing and then they tried to do it. Oh, <laughs> it really that's cute. so cute. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's Flapjack Flip Out. 
I recently got a chance to play the upcoming game from AEG called 10, and that is the word 10, not the numeral 10. So it's a little bit difficult to find on Board Game Geek because there are other games with 10 in the title. 10 is a push your luck set collection bidding game where you are trying to be the player with the most points. And at the end of the game, players will score points in four different colors based on the number of sequential numbers they have of that color. The, num the cards in the deck range from one to nine. And so the highest number of points you can score for any given color is 10. But the only way to score 10 points is if you have all nine cards in a row. So if you have one through nine, you actually score 10 points. So technically you can't score nine points in this game. You can only score <laughs> one through eight or 10. Because <laughs> if you have all nine cards of a particular color, you score 10 points for the row. And that's why the game is called 10. Uh, but if you have a gap in the middle, like if, let's say you have the three, four, and then six, seven, eight, nine, you would only mm -hmm. score four points for that row because the biggest mm -hmm. sequence of cards is four. So how do you acquire cards? On your turn, you do a push your luck thing where you're flipping cards over from the deck and the cards have one of two things on them. They either have money or numerical cards that you can add to your rows. And there are a couple of different ways that you can bust. Um, if you flip over too many money cards, meaning money of 10 or more pips is showing, then that's a bust condition. Or if the numerical value of cards showing adds up to 11 or more, but what's interesting is the money cards you flipped over actually subtract from your numerical total as far as counting the push your luck mechanism is concerned. So you can flip over more numerical cards than you would expect because if you flipped over money cards, it subtracts from your total to get to 11 for the numerical cards. It's a little bit confusing, but it works really well when you're playing it. It's just hard to explain without vi a visual <laughs> to help me out. <laughs> so you're flipping over cards. And then at the end of whenever you decide to stop, if you don't bust, you can choose either to take the money that is showing of the cards you flipped over or the numerical cards. If you take the numerical cards, they just get added to your rows of your colors, wherever they slot in. If you take the money, then the cards go to the main supply and will be available for purchase to the other players and to you in subsequent turns. Then there are special cards in the deck that are wild in some regard. So they might have a wild number or a wild color on them. So it might be a nine, but a wild color, or it might be a wild number of green, for instance. And there is one card in the deck that is wild in both color and number, so it can be slotted in anywhere. When any of those cards come up, you do not get to just keep them on your turn. They go immediately up for auction. And so the player to your left gets first option to bid, and the auction only goes around once, so you don't get to keep mm. going in loops. So everybody just makes one offer, and you get last option, basically, to bid on it. And then you can pay those money to tokens that you've been collecting from the money cards to take those cards. And obviously the wilds are really powerful because they can help you make those runs more easily and score that you know 10 points potentially for a row of nine cards you play until the deck runs out and the player with the most points wins this one is super fun this is like the exact type of game that i want in my quiver like it mm -hmm. is light enough and easy enough to teach quickly but strategically interesting to play and a little bit different every time based on what the players are doing and i like that the bust mechanism is more there's more to it than most games that have a push your luck mechanism because of that ability to subtract from your total. So like, it's not quite as you know straightforward as you would think. Like if you flip over an eight, like first off, technically any numerical card three or higher will cause you to bust. And so in most games, you would definitely just take the eight 
and run. And you might still do that in this game, but there's the chance you'll flip over a card with money on it, which will reduce your total down and give you more options. So there's a little bit more interest there in the push your luck thing. It's not, not just um, obvious choices all the time. So I really enjoyed 10. It's releasing on September 17th at your friendly local game store. And if you like, you know, light card games and you like push your luck mechanisms in games i think this is a great one and it's beautiful like even though it's an abstract game the artwork on it is actually really neat like the backgrounds on the cards are pretty so that's 10 cool sounds stressful (laughs) a little bit yeah like i mean every push your luck game is to some degree but like yeah this one is it's more interesting it really like it Mm -hmm. scratched my brain in a in a cool way (laughs) yeah This week for our thematic discussion, we decided to talk about replayability in games. So what do you think of when when you say a game is replayable, Crystal? I mean, for me personally, I think I kind of do the same thing that a lot of people do. And I actually confuse replayability with variability to some degree, because like technically the word replayable, if you go off of its actual definition... Basically, every single board game, with very few exceptions, are replayable. Like, like you can play them again after you have played them. But I think mm-hmm. when most players use the word, when most board gamers use the word replayable, they actually mean, like, variable. Meaning that the game has pieces and parts to it that change each time you play, or could change, theoretically, each time you play, making the, it different when you play it again. Well, variability doesn't necessarily mean replayability, too, because, like, variability is usually, like, a change in the game beginning. Or a lot of times people say variability in as a change in the game beginning, but it's not necessarily, because, like, variability in the game state in the middle um, can happen even if the game at the beginning is very different, like in chess or something like that. Chess has a lot of replayability and variable in games, but it's always the same at the beginning. So, yeah, and I don't know what word. <laughs> so wait, what's variable in chess? No, just like the way people play is if they play differently, it'll turn out different. Like there's a lot of replayability in that because each game is different. Well, but I think just to be replayable just means to be able to be played again. So every game yeah. aside from like legacy games that you've completed is are replayable, mm-hmm. to, right? Yeah, like, but like, but people are talking about like, different degrees of replayability like how replayable is it like yes that's what most people mean i think yeah like (laughs) you want to replay it (laughs) yes and that that i think is the key here is when we discuss replayability we recognize that the word replayable means to be played again and most board games fall into that category but when we're talking about replayability Mm -hmm. it's that mental feeling that you want to play it over and over and over again for whatever reason, right? Like there's Mm -hmm. enough interest there and that could be variability in the setup that causes you to want to play it over and over again. Like you feel like there's more to explore in the game. Yeah. yeah. Like a lot of children's games, I would say for an adult, don't (laughs) mentally have a lot of replayability. Like when you play Candyland for it. Yeah. face right now (laughs) like Candyland while really great to teach kids color matching does not have any interest really for a gamer that 
you know, is kind of beyond that point because there mm-hmm. isn't, there aren't any interesting decisions to be made mm-hmm. and the game isn't different at all any time yeah. you play it, basically. <laughs> yep, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah, there are different things that, that make games replayable. And we, one that comes up a lot at, that we already mentioned is uh, variable setups and stuff. For me, that doesn't always mean it's replay. it adds replayability because like, if the game wasn't interesting to start with for me, like like if Candyland had a variable set power setup, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm not sure what it would be. But like I guess the shuffling of the deck is like a variable setup. I'm putting this in air quotes by the way, but like um, <laughs> it doesn't really make it much more replayable. Right. Uh, well, and on the flip side of that, in some instances, variability can also make games harder to approach in things like, and no, for the record, I love all of the things that leader games does. Like this is, (laughs) I love their games truly, but like, it's hard for me to get a game like vast or root to the table because Mm -hmm. when you vary the setup, meaning players get different roles and all of the roles are unique. It is harder to teach and then play if you mm-hmm. make it variable. Like now if That's everybody true. plays the same character every time, you could do that technically. But I think mm-hmm. the where those games shine is like learning the different roles and getting to do different things in them, but that it's harder to do. So I don't get those games to the table as often. Again, this is literally zero shade. Those games are amazing. Everybody mm-hmm. should check them out. But like, yeah, it's harder for me to get those types of games to the table because of their variability. Yeah. And then some things that some games that are like extremely simple, like code names or something, I, that has variability in the cards, but like otherwise it's pretty simple and but it's super replayable and people it's really very easy to get played a lot. Yeah, and not just like over time, but like right in a row. You could play code mm-hmm. names right yeah. in a row over and over and over again. And that one it's interesting because the people kind of are what make that game interesting because mm-hmm. who you're playing with can change how the game feels to some degree yeah. and especially like you know codenames duet the two-player version can be very can either be like silly or really intense or mm-hmm. whatever and same thing for regular codenames you could be playing with just a, like two pairs of two people and play it really like thinky or mm-hmm. you could play it with a giant crowd of people standing behind you all throwing out guesses yeah. and it can be ridiculous and so the game lends itself to that those different scenarios and it feels different when you play it. Yeah. That's a good point that like the game group can add variability because like depending on what group you play, it it will be a different experience and that adds replayability and variability to games too. Yeah. I mean, Mm. honestly, I I know people are going to roll their eyes a little bit, but like a good example of this is strike. Like, (laughs) like you could technically play strike incredibly straight, you know, like really serious, (laughs) intense, like you can do yes, that, that and that's I, how you're supposed to play. <laughs> <laughs> or you could do the thing that I usually do, and when I introduce strike, I you know present it very seriously with my tongue in my cheek as you know this epic battle of gladiatorial <laughs> combat in an arena, and then everybody realizes immediately like, oh, she's being ridiculous right now, and we're about to have some silly fun. So, <laughs> um, but then also even with like strategy games that don't have a variable setup like some euro games or whatever if they have different they usually have different things that you can do in the game and then depending on who you're playing with people might like different strategies or like some people tend to block other people more in worker placement games or be more aggressive whereas other people are more 
less less aggressive <laughs> and so like the way people play is different and so like playing with different groups would add a lot of variability even if the game itself is like always the same setup or whatever right <laughs> yeah yeah like some some worker like simple worker placement games mm-hmm. always have the same spots on the board for instance yeah. and whatever else but based on what the players do it can make the experience very different mm-hmm. and i think what i've seen happen in the industry over the past like few years at least is it feels like especially as kickstarter has gotten more popular it feels like a lot of gamers often are clamoring for variability in Mm -hmm. games in thought in thinking that that will make them infinitely more replayable and that i don't think is always the case and sometimes can bog down the games in a way Mm -hmm. that makes them again less appealing but like yeah. Kickstarter with its stretch goals and its add-ons and everything else, like sometimes the bloat gets a little bit too big, but like it feels like publishers almost feel like they have to include that kind of stuff if they're doing a Kickstarter, for instance, because, you know, players are always asking for more, more characters, more powers, more in-game scoring conditions, more whatever, because they think that it'll make the game more replayable. But as we just discussed, like in a game like Codenames, which doesn't have any of that stuff, it's infinitely replayable for other reasons. And I think there are a lot of games like in my own head, my brain, part of my brain wants to think like, well, if the game is bigger and more complex and has more things, of course it would be more replayable than a simpler game with less things. But that definitely is not the case. And I know that, but like part of my brain does kind of think in those terms, like more stuff equals more variability or more replayability. But Mm -hmm. like that isn't necessarily the case. And some of the games that I've had the hardest time getting played are the ones where I did like back a Kickstarter and go like, all in and get all of the things and then this thing shows up and it's so intimidating that I'm like I don't start (laughs) right like sometimes I'm kind of like no maybe I should just like if they do a kickstarter let's say for a new expansion to a game that I don't own maybe instead of going all in and getting everything I should just pick up the base game see if I like it and then go seek out the expansions later because as I think we've discussed in past episodes I've realized over time that I don't enjoy expansions quite as often as I would have thought I do. Mm -hmm. And I do, there are some expansions that are really good. In fact, stay tuned to our next episode where we're (laughs) actually going to talk about expansions. So that's a fun spoiler for you for our next episode. But yeah, like I don't need more in most cases. If a a game is well-designed, usually it's just going to be fun right out the box without extra stuff added onto it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I don't go, I mean, I don't get that many Kickstarters, um, <laughs> as I've mentioned before. But yeah, and, and I got to do the uh, 18xx mention, but like those, th- a lot of the 18xx games do not have variable setup. They are pretty complicated games, so, but like they have a lot of replayability, e- even though it's all open information, but like players doing different things makes makes the game very different and going to a more simple game like as i was saying chess and like go those are are abstract games in general um i don't play abstract games that much but there are a lot of people who get really into them and play them a lot so um there's a lot of replayability in those games and they're very simple like 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 go is a super simple rule set um <laughs> and like people play it just so much so yeah the there's infinite replayability in such simple games you don't need to have a lot of stuff 
So I, I also agree. <laughs> and really, I at least for me, I think early on in my tenure as a hobby gamer, I kind of had similar thoughts that like I wanted lots of content for these new mm-hmm. games that I was buying. And I've realized over time that I am not a gamer that is going to play any given one game like a hundred times. Like, yeah. That's just not the way I play games. It's not. I like to try new things and I like to bounce around. I very rarely play the same game two times in a row. Like there are exceptions to that. Like Strike is a good one. But like for the (laughs) most part, if we play a game at game night, if somebody says, ooh, let's play that again. My initial reaction is almost always, ah, like I don't, my brain, this is probably the ADHD that I am just now (laughs) realizing, but like my brain wants to go to something else. Even if I Mm -hmm. liked the thing we just played and will play it again, I don't want to do it right now is what my brain is saying. (laughs) It's amazing how these these things manifest and you don't realize it. (laughs) Yeah, there are only a few games that I've played over a hundred times and they're all shorter ones. And I haven't needed expansions for those. Like The Mind, The Resistance, well, The Resistance Avalon, which, I mean, that that's its own game. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, like, they're all similar. Codenames, I think, is one of them. Like, <laughs> the very simple rule sets that you can just play over and over again in a row. Yeah, those types of games are the ones that I replay a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would agree that the, the the more complex a game, typically the less times I'm gonna play it, at least in like short in a short time frame. Yeah. Like over time, I might, but like. Yeah. Well, I mean, because also they take a lot longer, so to play true. it multiple times, you have to like playing an 18xx game two times is the same amount of time as playing the mind like 20 some 30 times <laughs> <Yeah>. or something <laughs> like. <laughs> Which would be fun and also very exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I would love to hear our listeners' thoughts on variability and replayability in games and like what you all think makes a game more replayable for you. Again, we get it. Like all games are technically replayable except for legacy games that have been completed or other probably rare exceptions. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) There you go. Uh, But I want to know what makes a game replayable for you so uh head over to social media or our board game geek guild and let us know what you consider when you're judging a game's replayability and that's it for this week's board game blitz visit our website boardgameblitz.com for video and blog content as well as to get links to all our social media pages this episode was sponsored by gray fox games you can now pre-order for science a real-time cooperative dexterity game from grayfoxgames.com and if you want to pick up some other non-exclusive Gray Fox games at a discount, just use the code BGBlitz21 at checkout to get 20% off. Gray Fox Games, quality games cleverly crafted. Join the Blitzketeer community on Discord by following the link in the show notes. You can support the show by leaving us a rating and review on your podcast provider. And if you want behind-the-scenes access and an invite to our private Slack channel, visit patreon.com slash boardgameblitz. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Barr, with technical support provided by Toby Mount. Board Game Blitz is part of the Dice Power Network. Until next time... All my life, I hope for a game like you, and I hope that my friends like me too. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. Turn, if you didn't choose to take money, you can also buy a card from the supply to add to your... I just realized that, like, I fundamentally did not start with what you're actually trying to do. 
I think I might start over. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I've explained this backwards. It's weird because it's such a simple game, but it's one of those games that's so difficult to describe. Like, okay, I'm just going to start entirely over. Like, completely from scratch. All of that is gone. Code BGBLITZ21 at checkout to get 20% off Gray Fox Games. Quality games cleverly crafted. Whoops. (laughs) (laughs) I missed the exclamation point. (laughs) Okay. And a podcast about all things board games that you can listen. Oh, God, I didn't write this. Uh, Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) That's the next two. Period. (laughs) Um, 